Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey, this is really important, so please listen up. You want to save a life? You need to help one of the 14,000 patients who need a bone marrow transplant and cannot get it from a family member. I know that sounds really random, but this is important stuff. 70% of those in need will never, ever get a bone marrow transplant, but you can be the one to change that. Register today to become a lifesaver because the chance of saving a life is one of the most exciting and selfless things that you can personally do. Trust me, I know. In 2014, I want to say, I became a donor and it changed my life. Please do this right now. Pull out your phone, text AMAZING to 50555 or go to dkms.org backslash 100 words with the number for a free swap kit. Swap kit, super simple. They send it to you. You become a part of the registry and you could potentially save a life. So please, if I can do it, you can do it. So here, on with the show. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Ray Harkins and I'm your host. And you are listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I I know setting up the show like that (laughs) seems a little redundant because if you're downloading a podcast and you are listening to it and you're like, oh, crap, I was meaning to listen to, you know, WTF or This American Life. It's like, well, you probably need a better grasp of technology in the first place. But anyways, I like to, you know, kind of open the doors and welcome you in. And if this is your first time listening to the show, awesome. If this is your 150th time, even better. Thanks for joining this weird ride of... Basically, what we do here is we take a person who is involved in independent music and has either played in bands, run a record label, something in regards to this this 
awesome, awesome world that we've tripped across and essentially defines our life because there are so many things. The, the, the view that I view the world in, sorry, that's redundant. The, the way in which I view the world is all completely influenced and defined by independent music and that independent train of thought. It's just, it's so much fun. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. And this guest this week is a person who typifies it because he has been at it for such a long period of time. And it is, I was ecstatic the fact that I could get him on the show. And we're talking about Greg Antonucci, which no, hold on. Let's, let's, let's really not butcher his name. Because, you know, I, I respect him so much. And Antonucci, no, that's not even close to it. So, Greg Antoni, why would I edit this out, right? Greg Antoni, he is the vocalist for The Bouncing Souls. The Bouncing Fucking Souls, people. So, if you don't know who The Bouncing Souls are, they are a legendary punk band from New Jersey who have done the damn thing. They have toured across the world, played everywhere, and you cannot help but have a smile even just saying the band's name, but then listening to any one of their really, really important records, um, you know, all the way back from obviously, uh, you know, How I Spent My Summer Vacation, which is an incredibly important record to me, all the way down to their newest releases, you know, that Rise Records has been putting out for the past couple of years. They, they just know what they're doing. And uh, I, I just love to have these people on the show because uh, they hopefully will give you a sense of clarity and you know, maybe perspective on the idea of, uh, you know, just basically doing the damn thing, you know, figuring out your life as it revolves around music. And I, I think Greg's story is so incredible because of that. And, um, yeah, more on him in, in, a, in a moment, but I have to, I, I'm excited people, humans, I, I've sold my house. <laughs> well, technically there is no signature on the paper as of right now, but there are offers coming in and negotiations and all this other stuff. And I'm going to, it's, it's very exciting. And I know the next couple months are going to be pretty hectic for me in regards to moving, living with my parents for a bit as the house that my wife and myself and uh, I guess technically my child, even though that lazy bum hasn't contributed anything financially to it. I'm just kidding. He's only five, but it's just an exciting thing. And I, like I said, I know it's going to be hectic moving all over the place and kind of waiting for the house to be ready from a remodel and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just excited and uh, it's stressful, but at the same time, change is a good thing. So for those of you that have uh, asked, that's a, uh, you know, that's, that's what's happening. So like I said, Greg, he was just so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what to expect. Sometimes when I get uh, approached by people to do an interview, um, you know, I'm like, oh man, I love that person's band, but I don't know if they've done a podcast before. I don't know if they're going to enjoy this experience of kind of, you know, pontificating for over an hour. But Greg, dude, he was locked in. He loved the experience. I loved talking to him. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to share this conversation with you. So here's Greg from the Bouncing Souls, lead vocalist and uh, talented man extraordinaire. Um, he also is doing some dates with his uh, project called uh, Playdate, which is basically him and his wife doing uh, kids based music and uh they play here in southern california on september 18th i want to say they play at the yost theater so uh yeah just google play date um even though that may not yield the best results <laughs> but uh yeah you can find it but yeah september 18th and um yeah it's just it's great stuff and please check out the entire bounce i'm not even to drive you to you know just listen to
north of Boise is where I live now, up in the mountains. Dude, that's amazing. You've made the uh, the exit that most people yeah. <laughs> most people dream of doing at some point. It's a big. It's it's actually it's a funny thing that a lot of people don't know about. They assume I live in New Jersey, and I actually I lived in L.A. for about ten years. I did know. I, I knew that. Like that was like towards like what late two thousands. You were living in L.A. Yeah, it uh, probably started around two thousand one or two, and then we moved up here in about two thousand seven. Got it. Got it. Well, that's cool. Um. I usually start these things off with just my own sort of personal entry point to, you know, you and your music and everything you've been kind of involved in. So I'm going to, I'm going to start off with, uh, you know, how I spent my summer vacation. Reason I mentioned that record is that was that for me, that was kind of the record that was an epiphany for me with you guys. So, you know, obviously being from Southern California, you know, I couldn't escape all of the, uh, you know, epitaph fat records or, or the epifat bands as I like to call them. Uh, and I love most of them, but I didn't immediately attach myself to you guys until that record. And I felt, right. I felt like for a lot of people, that was kind of a tipping point for you guys. Like, yeah. did you ever feel like, obviously, as the band was existing, you know, obviously on the East Coast and in New Jersey specifically, were you mm-hmm. guys kind of, you know, on the outside of a lot of that because so many bands were from California and obviously a part of this, you know, Epitaph Fat Records community? Um, or was that just kind of, you know, you guys were, you guys were obviously fine with that? Actually, um, we all that evolved in a certain. It was kind of all happening at at the same time. So, like all that epitaph stuff, those bands were kind of growing over on the West Coast as we were doing our thing on the East Coast. And I think it kind of all converged at this point that we had reached a certain level. And then all this stuff was happening on the West Coast. Like all these bands that all came from the West Coast were really getting popular. So just being like who we we are and who we were, we wanted to be like, no, what about us? You know, we're East Coast. And that's how the song East Coast Fuck You actually came about. Um, I don't know if you... Yeah, right. you're familiar. So, yeah, yeah. So it was like, we f- almost felt like it was necessary to like proclaim our our pride in our way, which is like the, most, the, the silly retarded song that is East Coast Fuck You. But, you know, saying something that we felt real about, but in a way that was kind of silly, you know? Yeah, sure. Because it, it, I just always found, I mean, like bands like, uh, you know, You Guys and like Propagandi and these other bands that obviously existed, in, mm-hmm. you know, in an ecosystem that obviously, you know, you guys had bands to play with and you existed within a scene, but there was, yeah. such, a, there was such a focal point on like Northern California, Southern California, so many bands. And like, it just was, uh, that's why I felt like, when you know i knew of you guys obviously beforehand and i think i'd seen you play prior to that record coming out but it was like that record specifically where i was just like oh yeah i fucking get what they got going on (laughs) like why what took me so long i felt like well that's cool but i think you know we had to get there musically too so we had to go all the places we went and um i think summer vacation is a good was a good culmination of a lot of learning you know a lot of some you know we made the records before that we toured we had experienced more and then michael joined the band on that record so i think all those elements went into what made summer vacation special i think and then they came out at a certain time and when all that stuff was really popular and it was almost becoming a little from our perspective it was a little bit but much but that's how it was at the time and it just seems like it's I can barely remember it anymore. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> totally. At the, time, at the time, I remember being slightly like, man, all these West Coast bands, everyone's being such a big deal about it. Come on, you know? And then we ended up being friends with all those guys anyway, so which was kind of cool. Right, right. It's not like, it's always that weird sort of, um, I wouldn't say competitive nature, but like anytime you're obviously trying to vie for some level of attention, it, you know, you, uh-huh. you, you may have that weird kind of like, oh, I don't know about those good riddance dudes or what, you know, like yeah. whatever. And then you yeah, meet exactly. him and then you meet him and you're just like, why was I, why did I ever think that? <laughs> yeah. It's great when people are cool. Cause it's not always the case, but in many cases in now that world, it ended up being pretty cool. And it's actually just to sort of jump to the now it's really actually fun to not even be in that world of play that game anymore. Cause we're just like, None of that matters anymore because I think that's sort of a young band's game, you know. Totally. Well, you're. I'm sure it's it's still happening, but those bands are. It's it's for a 25 year old, you know. You guys can go do that and have fun because it's. I'm over it, you know. Totally. Well, yeah. I like to equate it where it's like obviously uh, the Bouncing Souls are a band full of adults because you know how to handle real world problems and not concentrate on the you know the petty <laughs> scene drama or whatever yeah. it may be. Exactly. That's. It's not that much fun anymore. Not that it ever really was, but uh. totally. Yeah, it, yeah. When you're in it, it's not like you're. Uh, you, when you reflect on on those times, it's not like you're reveling in those memories of just like, oh, why did we care so much about that thing? We should have been focused on exactly. something more. Exactly. That's how it is now. Yeah, <laughs> for, <laughs> for sure. Um, so you, you personally, you were, uh, I presume, born and raised in New Jersey, in and around New Jersey, or where did you come up? Correct. Yeah. Um, Pete, Brian, and I all grew up in Basking Ridge with Shao as well, the original drummer. We all went to the same high school. We were a high school band together. Uh, first time we ever played together was in 1987. And the first time we ever had a Bouncing Souls gig was in 1989. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm still in my high school band. I just had the opportunity to travel the world and make records with my high school band right i was i was going to mention like it's so funny because obviously there's a very um there's very few people that have that experience of being like so so the bouncing souls like that was your first band and it's like most people are like oh yeah i was in like 17 horrible punk or hardcore bands before that that had terrible names and then um and then i maybe eventually did something but you're still in the same band (laughs) yeah and it is it is almost it's amazing and special. And then at the same time, it also kind of like makes me, I feel like I'm, I was in a bubble in a certain way because for many years, that's just the way we were. And then we started to see in the world, like, Oh, that's not how other people are. They're like, really don't bands don't stay together, you know? <laughs> so we were kind of like this weird anomaly that not that it was ever easy for us to stay together, but we always were like, why would you break up when you can work it out or let's figure out a way to do it? It was always, I think because all three of us and four of us, you know, went there first, you know, it's like, this is important to us. You know, you'd always try to get to the core of whatever the issue was so that we can continue doing the, and getting to the place of the band that we love because we want to keep doing that. Right, yeah, because I mean that the joke. I know people have said this before, where it's like the most difficult part of playing in a band is obviously not breaking up. Like that's like, yeah, and sometimes it's as simple as that, where it's like, oh yeah, like let's actually not yell at each other for a prolonged period of time and figure it out. Exactly right, and not let 
things fester. And, um, yeah, I mean the, the growing up that we've done together, um, is just like, it's been our entire lives. So we've gone through like every stage of life, you know, and I feel like now every day it's just more and more special because I see the world and I see relationships and people that relationships that don't work in the world, how special it is. And because of that, we all are enjoying it so much more. You know, we all are, you know, married pretty much or almost married. And, um, um, so we've grown up and we've learned how to have relationships and we've learned through the bouncing souls through lots of mistakes and lots of good choices. And, um, so I value it like one more notch every single day. I'm like, that's, I just value it. It's great. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, and so you, you, you strike me as the type of person like, you know, what maybe just focusing obviously on your maybe junior high, high school years, or even before that, um, you seem like a pretty outgoing dude where you, you, obviously you might've had problems, whatever, getting friends because you were into weird stuff, but, um, it's funny that you say that. Well, let me not only interrupt you. No, please, please do. Um, I think I have a very, you know, almost would be considered the stereotypical lead singer personality. Um, I'm very outgoing on stage, but um, when it comes to like my personal life, I'm actually pretty introverted. And I think if you, if you kind of, I've looked, I've kind of like researched this to some level, you know, or just by default, by meeting people, other lead singers and, in bands and stuff and it's sort of it's pretty common and um so yeah i I have like almost these two extreme sides that's sometimes i'm i think now that i'm growing up a little bit more i'm meeting it in the middle a little bit i'm a little bit more outgoing in my personal life um i can be let's put it that way as opposed to being like i sort of choose to like i like to be alone obviously I live on a mountain now with my wife and we're like, we love it up here. And it's like, um, we're totally fine. Like not leaving, you know, not getting out in the world for like a week or two at a time and don't even think about it. So in that sense, there's a part of me that's naturally just good with being quiet and not being outgoing, but I really do enjoy that other side. And I think that's, uh, I think how, we all are to varying degrees. You know, I think some people lean more to being outgoing and they enjoy the energy of like, you know, social energy and it energizes them. And it does for me as well to a certain point where I need to like kind of be alone and recharge. So, um, yeah, I think, and as a, as a high school, referring to that, going back to that time, I was awkward. I had sort of like, I was like the extremes unbalanced, realm of of my personality where i would be very outgoing sort of a spaz in social situations and then kind of like almost go the complete opposite um which is you know it's kind of like i guess your average wacky high school kid you know like that's that's what i was like you know right right well uh, yeah i mean i do agree with you there is a um there's a certain balance, obviously you strike as you, you know, get older and figure out who you are of right. the, 
the people who, you know, there's, the, <laughs> cause there's whatever the old, uh, I wouldn't even say the old saying, but just, you know, people that thrust the idea of like, oh, so you sing in a band, so you'd love to be the center of attention. And, you know, more often than not, people are like, well, that's just a byproduct. Like I like singing <laughs> and it just happens yeah. to be that I have to like be in front of everybody. Yeah. I think it would be, I would be, would be dishonest though, if I was to say that there isn't that aspect of it that I've drives me to do it you know like there was a drive to be that center of attention um especially in high school because i think um it's hardwired into me and now i can kind of have a sense of humor about it as opposed to feeling like self-conscious about it but i think it was really a, a kind of a combination of needing attention and a combination of like having something to say that i didn't know how to say in the regular world you know it was like sort of part of that that being in high school where you're you know you're frustrated by the whole thing you don't know why in many ways um it's just because it's retarded high school is crazy and difficult for everyone because we're going through all these chemical changes and so be learning how to be social and um so it's it sort of fuels that like frustration and potential anger. So deep down, I think as soon as I literally met Pete and Brian and came over, those guys were in a cover band. And as soon as I like hung out while they were playing, I was like, this is cool, you know? And then literally they were like, dude, would you want to sing something? And I was like, wow. Okay. Let me try that. So like literally just grabbed the microphone and they started playing. Um, I can't explain by the who. Mm hmm. And, you know, I knew like the first two verses or whatever in the, the chorus and it just clicked, you know, it was just like, this is freaking cool. Like I just was like, my little high school brain was kind of, mind was blown. Right. And then I was like, what other songs? They're like, what other songs do you know? That was cool. You know? <laughs> well, that's amazing that they were uh, obviously in high school doing a cover band. Cause I mean, obviously most bands start off doing covers because you don't know how to, you know, craft original material, but like, were they mm -hmm. like doing the, you know, like local talent shows and stuff like that? Or <laughs> what was their uh, mode of we transportation? Were, they were, it was a party band. I mean, nice. um, Bands play, it's, it's, you know, somewhat similar now, but back then it was, you know, you either like sat around and played records or you, a band played, you know, and, uh, or some, you know, played cassettes on our stereo. And it just seems like it was Pete and Brian were played with this, another guy, uh, named Sean and their, their cover band was called the switch. And they were, they were great. They played like Ramones, U2, Billy Idol, like in the realm of punk music, but also just like rock songs that we all mostly rock tunes that everybody liked Led Zeppelin and, um, stuff like that. And, um, yeah, as soon as I sort of like joined, joined as the singer, um, we played parties and it didn't last long that we were like, we don't want to just be a cover band. Cause we were going to punk shows too. And we were like, going to all seeing all these bands that were playing original material. So it did, I think it was only a matter of months after I like officially joined the band we played like a few parties and it was just like a, a ticket to the party, you know, free beer. And like, literally that was, it was just that simple, you know, it was just, um, but I think soon after that was when we were like, let's try to write songs. And then that you entered this whole new realm of like, what are we going to write songs about? You know? Right. Everything starts to open up. Um, yeah. 
And so what, what was your family structure like growing up, like brothers and sisters, and what did your parents do for a living? Um, I have a sister who's a year older. My dad had his own company. As, he was a manufacturer's rep. Okay. Uh, so um, we had like a comfortable living um, financially, you know, wasn't you know, we weren't wealthy, but we lived in a comfortable little house in a comfortable little New Jersey town. And Pete and Brian and Chow were also like really in the same realm. We lived with literally within a few miles of each other. And, um, my parents were divorced, separated a few times and then divorced when all throughout, like my mother, parents were divorced. My probably the first time when I was like seven or eight. So their relationship, I think definitely, cause you know it, it it hit me at a young age where it affected me a lot so i think you know, i was like very sensitive so um it was it was definitely part of what like created me as a punk rocker you know and it, it burned a little frustration into there because i couldn't understand what was going on you know and i think they tried might have tried to explain to me what was happening but i couldn't understand it and i was frustrated i think and i wasn't able to express it so that kind of all built up through my young years i think and then culminated um in high school in kind of wacky places because i hadn't really processed all that experience when i was really young sure so how old were you when your parents divorced well they split like three times so i think that's part of what not to be to put i completely understand now as an adult but back then i didn't get it i was like they 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 were separated like three times probably from the point where when i was like seven through like 10 or 11 so it was just like this constant like like I don't know what's happening, which, you know, sort of burned into my brain as this sense of insecurity, I think, because I was just like, I don't know what's going on, you know, because they'd be back together or not back together. And that, I think, um, it, it definitely, it, I think it's a double-edged sword and those things happen to you. They're, they're there. You know, I really believe that we, we design our lives like as spirits and, you know, we design the situations we're in we consciously choose that like literally on another level and then we come in and we try to like play the game and learn from it um so all of that was designed and very well designed for me to have a comfortable space i mean my dad and my mom like loved me even though it was wacky at times they always took care of me they always like loved me but having to like sort of deal with the realms of their relationship affected me a lot i think just by uh osmosis you know sure and did you kind of like split your time between your your parents um yes um that ended up happening and then um they ended up moving back in together for a while even though they weren't together so we lived in the same house for a while um so all of that created a strange dynamic. Absolutely. Well, that, I mean, <laughs> that doesn't, like you said, obviously, as a younger person, the inputs of your parents, like, you know, splitting up, like that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And then on top of that, the kind of push and pull of obviously yes. what your parents were trying to do, either reconciling or just, you know, because it was easy to live together. Um, I can easily see why, you know, the turmoil and strife you were going through would be expressed in, <laughs> like, did you... 
uh, were you finding yourself quote unquote acting out in high school? Um, like I, I just uh, said yeah. in weird ways, but, uh, what did that mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, by the time I was a sophomore, I, I ended up kind of discovering punk rock. And I think that was like, that was the place that I could be a rebel. And then once I found, I think it, it started, I started out teetering in that world with sister, was sort of hung out with that older kids that were, they actually were a pretty cool group. They were all a year or two older in our town. They were called the 13 fun guys. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it. Instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like, the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. 
We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, Real Talk here for a minute. So at the very beginning of the show, you heard me talk about bone marrow donation and blood cancer, and these are terrifying things. And I, while I personally have not been afflicted by any of these diseases or any of my family members, it's, it's something that I can't imagine where you're sitting there on a waiting list looking for a perfect match for you because they, they can't just obviously take bone marrow from somebody and put it in somebody else because obviously there's a lot of, I'm not going to pretend to know the science, so don't, don't, don't hold me to any of this. But, you know, your body rejects certain blood types, that sort of stuff. So what I am urging you to do is be a donor like me. So what I've done is you, you get this awesome little kit sent to you in the mail. And you can get that kit by text AMAZING, A-M-A-Z-I-N-G, to the number 50555, or go to dkms.org slash 100 words. And what you'll be able to do is they'll send you a little swab kit. And what I mean by that, it's a little little like Q-tip you put in your mouth, you send it back to them, and then they put you as a part of the registry. Who knows? You may not even be able to quote unquote help in regards to a perfect match, but if you do... It's one of the best experiences that you'll ever have in your life because I was able to do this and it was a great experience. Like basically went to a local hospital, you know, they, they, they took the bone marrow for me. It was a painless process. There was really no uh, downside to it whatsoever. And the fact that I knew that I was going to be saving a person's life, are you kidding me? That weighs heavy. So, and heavy in a good way. So please, like I said, go to dkms.org backslash 100 words or the phone that you're listening on right now text amazing a-m-a-z-i-n-g to 50555 and then they'll send you a swab kit and then you will be able to save someone's life please because who knows it could happen to you it could happen to your family it could happen to your friends and if you're not a part of this registry you aren't able to help so please do it up now (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) Right? Did they like? Did they coin that term? Them like that group name themselves? I guess. <laughs> I don't know where the name came from, but if you like, just can conjure in your imagination like an '80s movie. You know, like sort of like the crew of like artsy fartsy geek dudes mm-hmm. that were really like you know super smart and like just like dressing wacky. And really just like not fitting in. Like now they would look like hipsters in Brooklyn, you know, like, but back then it was like, they were just totally different and they were the 13 fun guys. So I think by just whatever happened with that, like they just had such a big group that they could, I bet it, I think it fueled their confidence, you know, in their, in their real like artsy outsider way of thinking and being and they were musicians they had bands and stuff so they were all like my sister kind of hung up with them a bit not completely but she was friends with them and they definitely had an influence so i was getting some of that music my sister listened to like the smiths and who's could do and all that that realm the replacements and i was that was filtering through my sister and then it just got to the next level when i started hanging hanging out with um Brian and Pete, like Brian was on the hardcore side of things, like really into New York hardcore. So I was getting, you know, getting all that from Brian. Um, and, uh, it culminated. And then once I had like a crew, like I was like, there's Brian, Pete and a few other friends of us that were were into punk going to shows. 
it's definitely kicked in. Like I was like, I'm going to dress like this. And so I guess in a sense you could say that was, um, lashing out. But as far as like real, like crazy, like breaking the law stuff, none of that really happened. Right. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah. You, you felt like the need to obviously express yourself in a non-conventional way, just because, you know, (laughs) the conventions of your life were not uh, making sense. So you're just like, yeah, these 13 fun guys and like my sister's into this stuff. So yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Yeah, like, we we joke about it now, too, like, amongst the band. Like, we really lived in a very, like, a great, we were brought up in a great time and a great um, proximity. Like, it was a comfortable enough town that it was comfortable to kind of go, go, go around and do whatever. But it wasn't, like, extremely affluent that we were in a bubble, that we, we didn't see the what you know and to some degree we we didn't see the inner city world and 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 experience that but uh we also would go to new york city like my family was there so i i was exposed to that to some level and and i i value where i grew up now even though at the time i probably was like this place sucks (laughs) of course um and did you have any sort of i guess ambitions in regards to like a career or anything from a uh job slash real life perspective or were you just kind of once you got bitten by the music bug it was like well that's the only thing i care about i'll just you know build my life around that i think uh having once we got started then it seemed like something that it was such a pipe dream though. Like you had, I think it's so funny because you think about, I think about so many things that people have like invented and done on just like some crazy idea that didn't seem to make any sense, you know, like, and, and they just didn't listen to logic. And, uh, where in many cases that's probably 90% of the time is, is usually best to listen to logic, but that 10%, you have to not because if we had logic about it, there was no chance really of becoming a successful punk band that was financially, you know, like doing anything in 1987, you know, like there weren't examples, you know, there were examples of bands that were like, you know, on this underground circuit living in, in vans, you know, like, and that was the world that we were in. And it was so cool. Like, I think that's why we just kept doing it. It just felt so cool to be a part of something that was truly underground. So, you know, we went, you know, we go to specific record stores that only certain people knew about and certain like venues that only certain people knew about. And, um, that, although I try not to be nostalgic, I just want to like point out how cool that was. And it felt so cool to like be know about this now and sort of like, wow, we're going to actually try to like become a creator in this realm. You know, like we're going to try to create and be uh, like proactive energy in this realm of coolness. You know, how amazing would that be? So, um, I think that was all we needed to motivate us. It wasn't like, Oh, let's, you know, I think the idea of making money from it was in our brain somewhere, but it wasn't like the main motivator. Like it wasn't a career choice. Like, Hmm, let's create this business and then we'll be able to own a house by the time 30, maybe 30, you know, like none of those thoughts crossed our mind. You know, it was about like this thing that was obviously deeply hardwired into each of us that we would never even be able to talk about we had something to say and we had some energy to like 
really like put into our lives in the world and I, I don't know how else to explain it and we were driven by the moment you know yeah that, i mean that's when you know when i say build your life around music it doesn't mean that that obviously it's like yeah i gotta take crappy jobs to you know go on tour or whatever and that that doesn't yeah. matter but that's the focal point where it's like all right everything else is, is right. sort of, you know not white noise but just like okay that's <laughs> the job i have is of service to the band as opposed to the other way around <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And it also, you know, I, I, after, you know, living in the world as long as I have, I've also appreciated having that kind of very specific vision at age 18, 17, you know, to be like, wow, this is something I really want to pursue. You know, I've seen many, you know, young people who don't have that kind of like specific vision, you know, be like, and that was a gift, you know, to like, which I didn't realize at the time, but like many people are like, I don't know what I want to do, you know? And that's, that's really hard to manage. Yeah, totally. Uh, it can be, you know, it can be fun. It can also be hard to manage. So mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and I'm not going in chronological order, so we're just kind of jumping around here. But the um, obviously the mode of the band, as you've mentioned uh, a few points in the conversation, was always obviously trying to give off um, you know positive vibes. I'll say <laughs> where you guys obviously didn't take yourself seriously uh, or overly seriously. Um, yeah, and you know obviously it's. Uh, that was kind of antithetical for a lot of what was happening, obviously in the punk scene when you guys were playing and still, still to this day, cause obviously, you know, punk hardcore, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's still, you know, strains of violence that are peppered throughout. I mean, especially yeah. like you said, you know, when you're going to New York city hardcore shows in the late eighties, early nineties that permeated. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I presume that, uh, you know, obviously the decision to be positive and, and that's the kind of the message that you're going around, you know, putting out there, um, was there, uh, I guess, resistance from that perspective where people are just like, hey, look at these fucking jokers up here. Like, you know, who, what, are the, what are the bouncing souls think they're doing? Like, you know, trying to have fun at a show. We need to be serious and like, you know, mosh hard or whatever. Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, yes, there was that. Like, I think we had a mutual thing that all of us shared was there, you know, and something we'd seen in bands by that, bands we liked you know, there is an undeniable factor. Like you can be on stage and reach the most jaded and most like far off genre like person that who's into whatever they're into. There is a place that you can be where that person just like can't deny you. You know what I mean? So I think we've just been in search of that place and like, and that means, you know, meaning like in a songwriting and in performance. And back then it was really about performing because we didn't have re- recordings or we weren't like, okay, here's our amazing record. We can stand behind this thing. It was just about like going up there with that energy. And so I don't think it was like, again, it wasn't an intellectual thing. I think we just naturally were like, we want to live in a realm that's positive you know we'd seen different types of bands we've seen how we feel after seeing certain types of bands and that would be like that's what we want to do you know i want to do that that's whatever happens there that's how i want people to feel at our show i think we all kind of like in our different experiences and shows we went to and shared experiences we would kind of be like yeah that was awesome you know we should do that or that'd be cool and all those things sort of like over the years like we honed in on that uh, you know, by, with trial and error. 
And I think that's what started to happen. It didn't really start to emerge really until like the mid nineties when we started really getting some real recognition. And back then, as you well knew, it was like a very, uh, things were like so over judged in that world, like hardcore and political stuff and kind of language you're using. It was just like so scrutinized and like, as the audience, it seemed like they had the right to like just tell the bands what to be, and and if you you know all this kind of crazy stuff that doesn't exist anymore, but was such a big deal then, and it was like created this space of like really restriction where we were just like, aren't we all supposed to be creating this world to like free ourselves from that? (laughs) So we would have those conversations like that. We'd see these bands that were like rule makers, making rules and straight edge and like this and that, which I think to cover that territory really quick, like Ian Mackay and with minor and what he did with minor threat and discord was one of the pivotal, most like, inspirational motivational things that were existed for the bouncing souls so it wasn't about straight edge it was about in in the presentation of he was like here's who i am it means something to me and i'm going to say this and it wasn't about like making rules you know which all this onslaught of like crazy bands that came later so we would get have those conversations we would be like what you know like is going on like that sucks you know so a lot of times we'd be on these bills I, I, as i said you said i'm allowed to just keep elaborating <laughs> so i just keep talking about it no it's fine you're talking about it. i just popped into my head i feel like i'm i'm, I'm uh on a tangent <laughs> no, you're good. but i guess i'm not I'm, I'm i'm wrapping it back in um so we really felt it a challenge to be like if we can play this straight edge hardcore bill where there's like nine straight edge hardcore bands and we're the one wacky punk band like we have to get to that place that's that's undeniable that these hardcore kids will be like well yeah they're cool you know like and and you know in general we got there you know and and it started to we didn't know it until probably like 95 96 where people started saying things like, wow, you know, Bouncing Soul Show is like the only show that you go to and you see like punk dudes and metal dudes and like like hardcore dudes. So it started to be like, damn, you know, all that stuff. You know, like, again, it wasn't completely intentional that we want, we think we should have all these people. We always, what was very intentional, now that I'm, I'm on the subject, is we know we're doing something wrong if there aren't girls at our shows. Sounds crazy. Well, but that was- I, I mean, I, I, it's not crazy because obviously that is what you were, um, th- th- that is the environment that you were, you were watching because it was so, you know, exactly. You're right. right, right. So, so male dominated. I mean, obviously exactly. people can look at shows today and are like, oh yeah, it's still male dominated. And it, that, of course it's true, but it's like yep. the, the percentages have shifted so greatly that now you're seeing, you know, you can almost say it's like a 50, 50 split at some shows. And that's and yeah. it's positive as opposed to, you know, what you're experiencing where it's like 98% male. <laughs> yes. So, right. It doesn't sound, it's not crazy. If you put it in that perspective of the way things were, it really, that was 
a complete conscious thing that we would pay attention to and really wanted to like help create. And we did. And that was another thing that was like, sometimes, sometimes even back then after we got even a little bigger, some hardcore kids or that were just friends or whatever would be like, man, it's kind of cool. There's like girls at your shows, you know? So that was like, we're like, hell yeah, dude, <laughs> we got hell doing out there with the sausage fest, man. You can have that. Right. <laughs> well, I, I, I like that too. I like the way that you framed it because I think there is, there are certain bands that are, um, you know, sort of a cross genre where it's like, you know, I, not to directly compare you guys to this because obviously they have a, a, a completely different, um, motive, but like the, the Aquabats, like they're a prime yeah. example too of a band. Like, you know, you would see, you know, everybody at their shows from people who obviously like ska diehards and then, you know, whatever people like myself who are just like, oh yeah, whatever, I'll go with my girlfriend who's into ska, you know, when I'm like 16 years old and I'm like a total, you know, straight edge vegan hardcore kid. And then I go to the show and I was like, yo, that shit's fun. Like that was amazing. And it's like, that's the sort of environment that you, uh, you know, not every band can pull off because obviously it's like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a slog because a lot of people don't understand what you're doing for a long time. But then it it does reach that point where people are like, oh yeah, everybody can go to a bouncing shoals show and enjoy it. Yes. And I think also, we were figuring out that too. And I think by the time, um, you know, the, the late nineties came around, we were able to present it in a way. I think that was a lot more like, and then records like summer vacation came out by like 2001. And by that point, I think it's a good, it's a good example of a, a point in our career where we had been able to present that in a record even, and then go out on tour and like, this is wow, our vibe and this is more clear cut, you know, of an understanding as an audience member, you can feel what we're about and it was more clear. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, on that same sort of idea where like, obviously as your popularity started to grow and the trajectory seemed, you know, like obviously you were playing to larger, uh, you know, l- larger venues and more people were paying attention. Um, right. You know, did did you guys ever find yourself in that position where obviously I can only imagine that you know whatever major labels or, or like sort of the next level appeared in front of you guys, and obviously for one reason or another you decided you know you didn't want to do that, didn't make sense as far as timing was concerned, whatever the reason may be. But I'm sure um, you have some funny stories in regards to like, oh yeah, once like Interscope came out and they like watched us play and then they left and they didn't say anything. You know, I just find those stories so um, indicative of the time when people are were trying to obviously pick up independent artists and kind of thrust them to a wider level or did you guys not have any of that (laughs) um it's fun that you asked that question because i have a great story like that to me it's kind of a a golden nugget um i'll try to make it as brief and to the point as i can um i'm not going to name any names i don't (laughs) doesn't matter yeah yeah. guy who work at a and r for atlantic and this was probably 94 95 somewhere in there um and he was almost like the guy who was going like out to retrieve these punk bands that had developed a following and were ready now that now that you know, it must have been right after green day became big it was like that point where it was like oh let's go find out what's going on in this world and sign these bands and give you know throw money at them and see what happens or whatever they were going to do so this guy was kind of like at Atlantic was like that guy. He was like, and we, he somehow got in touch with us and he wanted to meet with us. So everybody in the band was all kind of like, Whoa, this is happening. You know, all these years we're like DIY being punk and doing things ourselves. And now we're faced with the reality. We actually, you know, it's easy to be DIY when you don't have another option, you know, like it's different. Right. 
you know, you can fly that flag all over the place until, you know, you, you know, you have another option anyways. So here's the setting. Okay. This is the fun part. We play a show in DC. It must've been 96 actually, because we, we did a tour on the East coast opening up for seven seconds. Okay. We play with seven seconds. Um, we're backstage the dude is this A&R guy from Atlantic's coming to hang out with us and chat with us and meet with us. So to me, it was like the most symbolic thing that could be happening. He rolls in um, and he's chatting with us. There's Kevin. We're sharing a backstage. We, you know, become friends with Kevin, who is a total hero of ours and all the seven seconds guys. So we just completely became great friends with super sweet guys, loved us. And it was just a, another thing in the long line of like special things that I've had happen to me by being in the bouncing souls, like becoming friends with seven seconds and, and all that stuff. So as we're sitting there chatting with this guy who walks in, Ian McKay, cause he's going to go hang out with his bud, Kevin seconds. <laughs> so good already. Right. Yeah. So there we're in one corner of the room talking to the, quote unquote devil you know what i mean like going down the man the man so to speak yeah totally there we are and the only other people in the room on the other side in the corner is kevin seconds and ian mckay chatting with each other giving these hugging each other right walking in hugging each other chatting like best old friends and it was all it just hit me like a ton of bricks right there i was like this is it like this is this is one message being sent to you and there's the other message being sent to you and um, it was awesome. That's the total fork in the road moment where it's like, all right, we either do this, we're, we're either with them or against them. Because <laughs> there is that, especially too at that time, like, you know, obviously in the, the mid 90s, it was that, you know, feeding frenzy of every major label trying to get their hands on a piece of, you know, whatever Green Day and Offspring offshoots there were. Um, so you, it was more of a, um, you know, blood in the water scenario there as opposed to, you know, whether it's like, you know, if a punk band gets signed now, like obviously you look at like Rise Against and it's like, clearly they're very successful and they haven't compromised anything of what they've done. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously that they're a uh exception and maybe not the rule but it's like yeah at that time i could easily see the oh man we're either with them or against them yeah and like you said it's it's sort of important now that we're doing this podcast at this time and day and age like the environment was much much different back then and it was like also you know this idea of making a ton of money and becoming big when you are like choosing oh i'm going to choose to just live in this van and be completely broke you know like so it was your these very extremes like this idea of getting a big pile of money so that you can do what you want to do or choose something that's unknown and you have to like sort of fight for it harder on your own and scrape with every little penny that you have because of you believe in something and you don't know at that moment if it's really going to be the right choice. It's not like anything in our, in our lives in each moment, you know, you can only choose what you think's best, but luckily, you know, Ian McKay and Kevin seconds were there, you know, to like help with that choice. You know, it really helped me to be like, there's, you know, there's, I, I want to be that. I want to be, I'd rather, you know, struggle and be live for something that meant something to me. And if I can like make that a part of what I do in my life and, 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 and carry that, 
I think it's just better to choose that. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be easy, and it was it was not easy. But I'm really glad we chose what we chose because soon after that, there was a long line of bands that signed to those labels and ended up almost ninety percent of them either like their records got shelved, they didn't see the money they were supposed to see, all these just things that crappy stuff that happened to them one thing or another after they signed to these major labels yeah and then you obviously yeah you guys didn't have to uh you didn't have to what if this scenario you're just like no we we chose we're still around and obviously many of those bands um you know probably aren't Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand temp to hire part-time or full-time you name the position warehouse worker retail associate grocery store clerk fitness trainer baker stylist bellhop podcast producer yeah snag a job's got a worker for that with our easy to use platform you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard right snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly so visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So I'm very excited because our good friends at Blue Apron are back. And what is Blue Apron, you may ask? So what they do is they take all these amazing ingredients, so like high quality that, that just taste better. 
So like you like food, right? So what I would like to do is I would like to uh, you know, take you out to dinner. And how do you do that? So you get three meals for free when you visit this website. Go to blueapron.com backslash words, and you'll love how good it feels, how good it tastes to create some incredible home-cooked meals for yourself, your family, and you know maybe some friends. So go to blueapron.com slash words, and I'll be able to get you three free meals. Now, why should you do this? Well, Blue Apron does not mess around. They basically get all of the best ingredients around. And like, you know, me personally, obviously I'm vegan, so I don't eat eat meat, don't eat fish, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. And as a result, the seafood is sourced sustainably, the beef is raised humanely, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Like I said, I I, I can't speak to it because I don't eat it. But... What's amazing is they offer vegetarian options as well, and you can veganize it as well. You can basically take this, you're like, okay, I'm not going to use that, I'll use this. So basically, they have an option for everybody, whether you eat meat or whether you're vegan like myself. It's awesome stuff. And what I like the best about it is I cook with my wife. We get to hang out, chop up some veggies, put it in pots and pans, and I, I don't know anything about cooking, but... I am able to walk through this process and be able to make an amazing meal in 40 minutes or less. It's so good. And it's relatively cost effective. It's less than $10 a meal. So basically, you know, you go out with your family or you and your significant other and you end up spending $25, $30 on a dinner. This $10 a pop, perfect. So here, here's some of the meals they have available in August. Spiced pork burgers with goat cheese and cucumber corn salad summer vegetable and quinoa bowl with fairy tale eggplants shishito peppers and corn i've had that it's unbelievable and chicken tinga tacos with summer squash and tomato salsa yo just do this right now blueapron.com slash words sign up get some free food you'll love it i promise um the uh you know kind of kind of fast forwarding but i I obviously find a very interesting component of uh your life and your musical talents obviously with uh with playdate and obviously Mm -hmm. children's music uh you know being a focal point of your life you know for whatever the past five ten years um Mm -hmm. you know that that world in and of itself is so bizarre and strange because you know uh, honestly i would equate it to like the christian music industry where it's like you know there's the christian music industry where it lives in parallel to the secular music industry where that it's like you know the (laughs) did you know that the christian music uh scene like they they have uh their own grammy awards did you know that i didn't know that yeah and they call it the doves which is like, I mean, it blew, it blew my mind. Anyways, I use that as an anecdotal uh, portion of what I'm trying to get at with you, where it's like, yeah. obviously, it's this, you know, children's music is this weird, you know, competitive, uh, yet yeah. also obviously trying to be super positive and fun. Um, right. So I'm sure once you started, obviously, uh, getting some notoriety within the context of that project, um, you were probably put in sort of weird situations and probably even more uncomfortable than what it was like playing in front of, you know, 800 indifferent people to the bouncing souls. Um, or did, or was it generally just all kind of positive within the context of Playdate? Absolutely. You've hit on a very interesting and very valid subject when it comes to doing this, the family friendly music project. Like there's many situations where my wife and I saw certain bands and we were just like, God, we don't want to be like that. Are we like that? We don't want to be like that, you know? Um, so we really, truly, once we started it, you know, we didn't consciously start it, like, until, um, you know, we put out our record. And then we realized, okay, if we're going to put our record, this record out, 
we're going to figure out how to make this work live and how we want it to feel for us. And, and, and that's what went into making the record. We're like, we want this music to be music we want to play as adults. And we want to make it like loving and caring and, and really embrace the children and to make them feel that way but also make it so it's kind of cool for parents to just like hang with and listen to and that them so they'll feel like it's something that they're cool that they're listening to like good music so those were our intentions and i think by focusing on that and trying not to pay too much attention to like all that you just described the like realm of like it goes super deep of like how bad it gets and um we have come across a bunch of that and even the realm of like like you said even competitiveness which is it's as, as competitive or more competitive than anything i've experienced in like the rock world or the punk world and in that world realm we're both just like how bizarre is this like we're supposed to be doing this for children for real and now we're both we're, we're competing like right with this fake crazy smile you know like kids you know and it, it's like really bizarre like it's almost a little more genuine on this rock and roll world you know it's just not as strange <laughs> well I, and i think too because it's like you know obviously when you're doing something for children there is that um you know, unintentional premise of like, oh, we're doing this to enrich their lives. We're in doing, we're doing this with, you know, yeah. good motives, but then for every, you know, one or two people or one or two music projects or whatever, one or two children's books that are obviously doing it to, um, you know, with, you know, altruistic intentions, there is, you know, a complete underbelly of people who are just literally trying to make money off of, you know, the, the moment that children are born, obviously, <laughs> like trying to, it's like a, a career choice in the like most intellectual kind of way. <laughs> totally, totally. I, I just I, I find it so fascinating, and especially people that have obviously come from the same scene that you and I have um, mm-hmm. that do uh, you know have dabbled in that they they do it with trepidation and then you know they, yeah. they have they have fun with it to a certain extent but then they see you know the the horrific side that sometimes you know whatever because i've heard of like you know they have like children's music conferences where it's like you know a bunch yes. of people and like have you guys participated in that we did okay and, that, and that's we went to one in philly and because we just wanted to go there like see what's really going on here you know and um i'd say it was like a 50 50 experience. Like we met some really cool people and it was really weird too. Um, so, and it, I'm glad we did it. Cause now I know for myself, as opposed to like, kind of being like, that seems like it's really weird. Don't want to do that. So I think that was why we chose, we were invited and we're like, let's go do it. Let's go be, you know, have an open mind. Let's go check it out. Maybe we'll meet some people that are cool. And that's what we did. And we did. And now I, I don't, I'm not interested in going back to another one, but I'm glad I went. And, um, just like you said, and it, it has in this world of the kids music world, it has every element. It has real genuine, awesome people who are really trying to do something that's good. I'm glad they exist. And then other people that are just not that. Right. Right. <laughs> um, 
the uh, you know something I always find fascinating, obviously for for bands that amass such a catalog like you guys have had, um, mm-hmm. where it's like you know not only obviously your full lengths, but the fact that you have a uh, you know litany of songs that have been included on um, you know a variety of projects, and you know I, I'm going to selfishly mention one of them because I actually worked at the label that put this out, where wow. I, I uh, worked at Century Media Records when I was putting together the Sick of It All tribute record. And, oh, cool. Yeah, and I would just your your song and contribution was great. So there you go. Shout out to that. But um, how do you uh, how do you even pick songs at this point? Like that must be a uh, a real Herculean task for you guys to be like. All right, so we're playing this show. We gotta try to please ourselves by playing obviously the songs that we just written on this new record. But then also, you know, we can't bum out too many people by just being like, all right, we're playing the new record from front to back. Like, you know, how do you guys? How does that sit in your head? Well. I mean, I, I've thought about this many times. Like, I, we could have made a really hilarious reality show called, like, The Set List. You know? <laughs> Dude, I love that. <laughs> um, and just if we had two dudes with cameras in the room, every time we've had just conversations about set lists, and then you've got, like, a whole season's worth of, of, uh, of episodes. Um, so... It's ridiculous. It's hilarious. It's ridiculous. The conversations we have are ridiculous. And, you know, then we end up playing like the same 15 songs. And then we're like, and then somebody's finally, like, we had to rope other people in because we lose. We're like this retarded old dudes that can't see anything anymore. Like you can't even see the scope of what's possible, you know, because of um, just kind of get too far in it. So everyone's like, you haven't played this. Why don't you play that? And you're like, Oh yeah, that song, you know, like there's just so many songs. You have to look at a list of them. Otherwise you can't even think of them. So yeah, it's like this crazy game that, do you have it's, like do you do you honestly have like I, I'm I'm just really interested in the practical aspects of it too. Where okay. it's just like, do you have this like you know whiteboard up or like Excel grid that you guys look at the songs and you're just like, all right, let's eliminate these here. These are going to go to column B because we don't play them that much or whatever. Like, how do you even you know organize it? Because like you said, you have to look at a list because there's no way you can yeah. remember all those. Yeah, well, if we want to get into the the exactly to get into it, for example. Um, well, I, I don't want to give it away too much. No, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to give away your trade secrets. I don't want yeah. to push that okay. far. Okay, let's go back. <laughs> um, like for home for the holidays, like that's a, a Herculean. That's the Herculean task. We've got three really nights nice. or four nights to play different songs every night. Ninety percent of the people that are there have seen us like twenty times a piece. They've they've heard every song. So that those are the, the times when it's the most difficult because you want to bring them something different or interesting at least. Um, so yeah, we that's why we've done wacky stuff at the home for the holidays. Like we rented the, the uh, bingo machine with the ping pong balls. We put all the songs on ping pong balls and. Um, literally like picked a ball comes up and our buddy on the side picks it and we called out the song and we'd start playing it he'd pick another one and write it on a dry erase board and show it to the audience but not to us while we're playing a song <laughs> so good and, and um then the song would end and he would show it to us and then we pretty much just had to be like okay got it one two three four go so that was probably like a moment that i'm really proud of because that whole year we had learned our eight of our records and we were playing them two records a night 
in uh, eight cities around the world. We did four nights. You know, we did four nights at home for the holidays. We played two records a night, consecutive order. And then we were like, we learned all these songs. We got to take this on the road. Otherwise, it's such a waste of time because it was so, it was a serious task. So we did it in eight cities around the world. And by the time that ended and we were playing the next home for the holidays, like the next year, roughly after some other touring, I just, we were like Rocky as a band. Like it was ridiculous. Like, you know, it was so cool to experience that kind of conditioning. Like you're like in the, in my realm of like experience of myself being like an an Olympic athlete kind of like how I could get myself to a point of like knowing all the songs inside and out being conditioned to sing them, you know, and physically being able to sing a band being like a, a, this sharp as hell thing. It was awesome. So that was the culmination of that. We were able to like, out of over a hundred songs up to like 110 songs, I think we were able to look at that sign and be like, I know I got that shit. Here yeah, it goes. That's amazing. Yeah. You're a well-oiled machine. That's great. And it's crazy how fast that goes away. <laughs> totally. It's a, it's a muscle that if you don't work, yeah, you just completely forget that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I kind of went on a tangent there, which is no, cool. dude. I love, I love it. This, that's that's exactly what the what podcasting is all about: tangents yeah. because they lead to you know unexpected places. Exactly. The um, the last thing I want to hit on was okay. the um, you know obviously like, something you mentioned previously where you know you don't you yourself aren't overly nostalgic where it's like you know you look at the uh, the old days and are like oh things were way back better than you know get off yeah. my lawn old man stuff um you know yeah. but, uh, but obviously much is made of especially like you know looking at warp tour like obviously that lineup has evolved over years to where you know even if bands uh, you know of a certain generation either you know late 80s early 90s or even mid 90s play uh, warp tour like it's more of a oh that that's cool that they play but like no one's actually going to watch them because a 14 year old kid doesn't care about you know whatever no use for a name or whatever bad example but you get what i'm saying yes um so like do you know how do you kind of personally sort of push back against the you know nostalgia like obviously i think it's cool because you know you guys obviously work with craig at rise and you know mm-hmm. clearly you make sense in you know a certain context of that label because obviously craig is you know essentially an old punk and hardcore dude and he mm-hmm. you know his first uh, record was funded by uh, kevin seconds but right. they you know but most people would look at the, the roster and just be like what do you guys have in common with you know insert metalcore band a or whatever mm-hmm. um so i know I, I know i'm kind of front-loading it and putting a lot of stuff out there but i just find it um you know interesting for people such as yourself who how you guys kind of push back on um yeah just that old man get off my lawn sort of stuff yeah, I think I think it's on the subject reflected a little bit of what I've kind of talked about in my the way I've talked about certain things in this in this conversation. It's like I do have a side of me that obviously some things that when I grew up in the eighties and like this real underground stuff was like so cool. I don't want it to be that way again. But there's a like a bunch of you know if I if I go there and we talk about it and sometimes think about it and I kind of can't I don't know I can't avoid it either like in a lot of when I'm confronted with certain things in the way the world is now um, and how so much because everything's happening in front of us with all these like it's you know <laughs> it's hard really it's hard to not be uh, like the old man 
yelling, get off my lawn. But and, and honestly, I mean, honestly, if that's like if that's how you truly feel, that I mean, no one could begrudge someone of feeling that because there is that you know that element of like, oh, like I don't even recognize this thing that I'm a part of now. So of course, I'm going to look back, you know, in with rose-colored glasses on this time that was obviously so special to me. So I, I get that feeling. Yeah, well, I think as far as the Bouncing Souls and what the Bouncing Souls does, I think we are in our own world. We have our fans and we have what we like to do and we kind of don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? So we're having fun. And if we're considered to be old dudes on the porch, I think we don't care that much because we know we're having a good time. And it's like, if again, it's the undeniable factor. Like, if we're having a good time on stage, we know. Most times, unless the most jaded person can have something bad to say, but 90% of everyone else is going to be like, those guys are just having a good time. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with genre. It has nothing to do with what's popular. Um, That's something that people can feel, you know what I mean, in that moment. As far as all that, that's where we're at as a band, and then that's a timeless thing. So as far as like when I'm confronted in life with all this stuff, like the technology and stuff, I find myself really being the old man. And then in the second, next second, I'm like, wow, all this technology has enabled so much stuff to be possible. It's enabled on every level of my life and all of our lives. Um, so I think it's this beast that we're all kind of tr- as humans trying to manage at this point point in our history and it's it's not an easy thing to manage um especially like like i feel um you know again like i feel for the kids growing up like you know there's a lot of entitlement and a lot of like so much is available to them and you want things to be available to kids you know we live out here in the mountains and i see like how cool it is and these young kids like you can tell they're like they can learn they they're not like backwoodsy kids you know like they you can tell they're in tune with what's happening in the world and like that is great that's not a bad thing at all it's like all good but then there's part of me that's like you know we, we had to work for these things and this sense of discovery and this sense of all that stuff but um then i just in the end i'm like it is what it is I'm just going to, you know, and that, that's going to have to be how it is. But I'm just sharing with you some of my process of what I go through when on that subject. Well, I mean, it is, it has to be a process because like, at, yeah. especially when you are um, so readily attached to something that obviously is a very finite moment for most people in their lives, you know, getting right. introduced to, you know, punk, hardcore, independent music, uh, you know, f- between the ages of 15 and 25 is when most people are active. And then usually, you know, r- either real life gets in the way or obviously yeah. they can't go to as many shows or whatever the reasons are. So yeah. the fact that, you know, it leaves people like you and I not struggling, but reconciling the idea of like, I'm attached to this thing that I will always be the oldest person in the room because there's always going to be a new 14 year old kid that's going to a show or whatever. Yeah. And they're creating their world. And totally. It's like, it's their time and they're creating music for each other. And I don't have to be interested in it. I I don't, I don't, it it is what it is. I don't have, it doesn't have to do anything for me. Um, I don't need to get mad at it. That's something, then that's my problem. But, um, and I think that's also, I feel really good about it too. Cause like, I feel so happy that I was born when I was and I discovered all those things. And now I, I again, I value and I appreciate it because 
I wouldn't want to be born into the world right now. Um, I value the fact that I had to ride and take a train for 45 minutes or more to go to a record store, you know, that had only specific a couple records and I can only afford to buy like two records and then I'll go back home. Right. And you're like, that's it. <laughs> do, it, it do, it's like such a great, just such a charm to it. And I'm so glad that I had to do that. You right. know? So, yeah. And do you, uh, uh, please forgive me, but do you have, I forget, do you have children yourself or no? I don't. Okay. Um, yeah, just cause that, that's something that I know that a lot of other, a lot of people that obviously are attached to, you know, the, the scene and I use that in air quotes, um, yeah. they, they struggle with that as well in raising their children because there's that, that, that push and pull of like, all right, well, I know my kid needs to rebel against me at a certain point. Um, but then right. I've had to reconcile this rebellion in my own head because I've done this for so long. Like just anyway, it's just those like hurdles everyone has to go over where it's just like, oh shit, I guess I gotta like figure this out now. <laughs> like not only as a as a parent, but then as a individual within uh, you know that's been shaped by an independent music scene. You know, absolutely. And um, it's like that's the challenge I think we're all going through. It's growing pains, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, you need to be changing and pushing against um, whatever conventions you've you know built around yourself. Because it's like, well, is this actually what I like believe? Is this actually what I feel? Or you know, yes. do I do I or or am I pulled more towards you know the proverbial center where it's like, oh, well, maybe maybe that thing I was rebelling against so hard like isn't so bad, or you know, I'm able to exactly change. I'm able to change yes. as a human being. Yeah, because we can depend on that everything's going to keep changing. That's what we know for sure. Yep, that is absolutely true. <laughs> well, Greg, I really, really appreciate you hanging out with me. This has been uh, a lot of fun for me, and I hope it was, uh, like I said, the dessert I was trying to give you <laughs> at the beginning of the uh, conversation. Yeah, thanks, Raymond. I, I enjoyed this conversation. Um, so, yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, so that was Greg. And like I said, just what a what a good dude, right? And I like how he... Uh, he was uh, he was able to uh, reveal the myth that he no longer lives in Jersey, but uh, you know he's uh, he's doing the damn thing up in Boise, Idaho, and that's awesome. But um, yeah, here's here's some plugs because you do need to pay attention to these things. So one, the new Bouncing Souls record is called Simplicity, comes out on Rise Records. Uh, I want to say July 29th. So go to any digital music provider or record store and obviously pick that up because I listen to the record and it's very 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 good. Like it's one of those things where you know you expect certain bands of a uh, you know, certain age to be like, oh yeah, they're just going to give me the same record over and over. And while the Bouncing Souls push themselves, it's not so far to where you're like, oh, this doesn't even sound like the band. It's basically the Bouncing Souls you know and love um, with, you know, some nice new polish here and there, and they just know what they're doing, and it's awesome. So, And they're also playing September 17th here in Southern California uh, at the third annual Horton's Hayride, which is a Reverend Horton Heat. He puts on like a festival. I've heard of it. It's pretty cool. And uh, tickets are available for that. And then, like I said, Playdate, which is his fun project that he does with his wife, is uh, they're playing on the 18th of September at the Yoast Theater in here in Orange County. And I'm going to go to that show because it'll be fun. So thank you very much for listening. The music for the show is provided by Lowercase Noises, as always. And you can go visit the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com, or email the show, 100wordspodcast. Oh, excuse me. Swallowed my spit. 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, you can say hi, suggest other guests, whatever whatever you'd like to discuss. That's what I'm here for. So yes, until next week. And uh, should I reveal the guest next week? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, the guest next week is Corey Brandon. He is the vocalist for a band called Norma Jean. 
I love this show because one week I could talk to a person of the Bouncing Souls and the next week I could talk to the lead vocalist for a, at one time, a very Christian metalcore band. It just, it's great. That's, that's what's so beautiful about independent music. I love it. Anyways, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At BostonProper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper, wear it like no one else.